0: The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams from the service already in progress. Amen. Let's open our Bibles this morning uh, to Genesis chapter 3. And I want to finish the series I've been doing. And when I first started this message, I had no intent of this being a series. But you know what? As you study the Word of God, you learn new things. God shows you new things. And then you develop uh, the things that God has given you. We began talking about how guilt is a deadly poison. Then we began to talk about the source of guilt, how guilt is produced. And, And we talked about All this, not all, but some of the various ramifications of guilt. And and today what I want to do, I want to wrap this up by talking about how a guilt trip is really an ego trip. And I'll put that together for you. But let's read from Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And let's begin reading at verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat it, nor shall ye touch it, lest you die. Please notice the woman knew the command. Please notice the woman had the word of God. Unmistakenly. Now look at verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman. You will not surely die. This is what the devil does. The devil will tell you that God's word isn't true or the devil will cause you to to get confused about God's word. But what's behind it all is that the devil is a liar. And we must make up our minds that we're going to believe God and not the devil. So Eve knew exactly what God said. She had the word of the Lord. Yet, it didn't stop the the serpent. It didn't stop the devil from coming to lie to her. And the devil began to rationalize this lie by saying, in verse 5, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes... A tree desirable to make one wise. She took of his fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open. Was open to guilt, open to shame. Emotions they had never felt before. Then the eyes of both of them were open. And they knew that they were naked. they knew they were guilty. And they sold fig leaves together and they made themselves coverings. Again, I want to talk about how a guilt trip is really an ego trip. I've told you that to rid yourself of guilt, it is imperative that you not forget that the gospel, the gospel is good news for the guilty. Every one of us has been guilty of something or another. But I'm telling you that the gospel is good news for the guilty. Remember Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter four, verse five, Paul says, but to him who worketh not, but believe on him who justifies the ungodly. In other words, believe on him who justifies the guilty. His faith is accounted for righteousness. You cannot work through your guilt. You cannot do enough good deeds to assuage your guilt, to wipe away your guilt. You must look to the gospel. You must look to God, for he is the one who justifies us. We're not justified because we tried to keep all the rules. We're not justified because we've done the works of the law. Not so. But we're justified because we believe on him who justifies the ungodly. We believe on him who justifies the guilty. And our faith in him is accounted for righteousness. Until you make a non-negotiable commitment to the gospel until you make an unwavering commitment to who you are as a new creation in Christ Jesus, you'll always have within you a judge, a jury, and a prosecuting attorney. Come on. Who is that judge? Who is that jury? Who is that prosecuting attorney? It's what you say and what you think about the wrongdoing you've done. Who is that judge, that jury, that prosecuting attorney? It's what they say and what they think. Too many people have put themselves on a guilt trip. You're more caught up with your guilt than you are with the gospel that erases the guilt. And how is it that you can hold on to your guilt rather than a hold on to God's unchanging hand? Is it because you're on a guilt trip and the reason you're on that guilt trip is because of the way you think? I'm telling you, a guilt trip is really an ego trip. Eve was tripping. She knew the word of the Lord. Even though God gave the commandment to Adam, Eve knew it. She told, the, she told the serpent, I know what God said. And then she rehearsed before the serpent, here's what God said. And then the serpent lied to her. But instead of her taking a stand on what God said, she decided to appeal or allow her, her eagle to appeal to her. And all of a sudden... She fell, Adam fell, and they felt guilt. They felt shame, remorse, anguish. They felt every negative emotion you might feel. I see some of you fanning, but I I believe that all the units are working. It's a special summer. Okay. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's some special people. (laughs) But all the units are working. Glory to God. Amen. But a guilt trip. It's really an ego trip. Why is it that we beat up ourselves because of stuff we've done wrong? Everybody's made a mistake. Everybody has fell short of the glory of God here or there somewhere. And how is it that we allow that guilt to beat up on us? It's because you're tripping. You're tripping because you are allowing what you think and what you say mean more to you than what God has said. So what is ego? What is ego? Well, ego is the acronym. I had a very spirited conversation with one of the deacons yesterday, and we were talking about this a little bit that ego is really an acronym for edging god out some people may say easing god out but either way you're pushing god away so ego is really an acronym for edging god out isn't that what eve did huh remember she knew the word of god she knew the commandment and when the devil lied to her and said you will not die For God knows that the day you eat of this fruit, you will know good and evil, and you will be like God. That appealed to her. Then all of a sudden Eve began to edge God out. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, she's edging God out. And when it was pleasant to the eyes, she's still edging God out. A tree, desirable. To make one wise. She has edged God out of the picture. Then she ate of the fruit. She disobeyed God. She and her husband. Because they edged God out. So what is ego? Other than an acronym. Now I want you to listen very carefully. Ego is really an exaggerated sense of self-importance. And I know you know folk like that. You've encountered them. Come on. They may be some of them in this church. But it's an exaggerated sense of self-importance. You're not satisfied to be who God says you are. You want to be somebody else. You want people to think you're important or impotent. Listen to me. It's an exaggerated sense of self importance. It's, It's really a high minded confidence in satisfaction that you have in yourself rather than God. I encounter people like that all the time. And it's easy to see, as the deacon and I were discussing yesterday, you see it in church leaders. Ministers, they want you to call them by their title when God don't even call them by their title. Did you hear what I said? Many of you have had this experience with me. Don't raise your hands. Where you made the mistake of calling me Reverend Williams, and I stopped you and said, that was my father. I'm Jerry. And I'm satisfied being Jerry. I remember that after I got filled with the Holy Ghost, came into the Pentecostal experience, and I got introduced to the Thompson Chain Bible. When I purchased my first Thompson Chain Bible, instead of having my name inscribed on the Bible, I told them just put servant of God on it. Didn't need no title, just servant of God. So that was my quest. I want to serve God. I want to please God. I don't care what anybody calls me. I know who I am, and the reason I know who I am, because God told me so. So you don't have to call me doctor, reverend. You don't have to call me anything. You can just call me Jerry. That's who. You know, every time God spoke to me, he said Jerry. He never used a title. But a lot of times, that's eagle. And then some people get upset if you don't address them by a title. That is shallowness. That is edging God out. And you wonder why you can't un- unload your guilt. Again, everybody's felt guilty at one time or another about something. Now, I looked in the dictionary the other day, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, and I wanted to find out what, a guilt tri- what an ego trip was, rather. The dictionary says the ego trip is an act. That enhances or satisfies the ego. So that could be your words or your action. And so, what you're doing, you're always trying to enhance that ego. And what God wants you to do is to let that ego die. Had Eve not appealed to her ego, man would not have fallen in sin, man would not have disobeyed God. Huh? Now let me say this, and let me, let me let me let me make sure everybody understand where I'm coming from. I believe in life with all my heart. I believe in life. But I'm telling you, many of you are misled with this abortion issue. This abortion issue really isn't about spirituality, it's about politics. I've been in the church all my life. And I remember that was there was no discussion among the church about abortion until the early 80s. And if some of you remember what happened in the early 80s, there was the advent of the moral majority led by Reverend Jerry Falwell from Lynchburg, Virginia. And they needed an issue. And the issue they chose To gain political power was the issue of abortion. Abortion was all about controlling women, having power over women, and they used that to further their political aspirations. But I'm telling you, it's egotistic for anybody, especially some old man somewhere to tell a woman what she should do with her body. You are edging God out. You're doing something that God didn't do. I am all for life, but I believe that women ought to have the freedom to choose before God about the health care. Huh? You know, when I first went to law school, one of the first cases we studied, and I believe it was, it was in civil procedure, I'm sorry, constitutional law. From one of the first cases we studied in constitutional law was Roe versus Wade, the same case that the Supreme Court just overturned. I read that case, I read that case, I read that case. That case was not about abortion. It was about privacy. It was about a woman's right to privacy. How's it that? You can stand on a soapbox and tell a woman, tell a man, you got a right to privacy, but not a woman. Something's wrong with that picture. Somewhere you're edging God out. And I'm telling you, to say that you're pro-life or to say you're pro-choice, those are nothing but political slogans. We ought to be people that are pro-God. We ought to be people that's pro-the Word of God. The first thing God did with the man and the woman was give them the freedom of choice. He said, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat, but this tree in the middle of the garden, you shall not eat of that tree. The choice is yours for in the day you do, you shall surely die. How's it that God can give the man and the woman choice, but politicians, says women cannot have a choice. That is ego. You're edging God out. How many have been to medical school in here? I haven't. But I do know this. Here's what they teach in medical school. They teach when there's a conception, there's first an embryo. Then the embryo develops into a fetus. Then the fetus becomes... A born child. Now, because of this argument, people want to say that the embryo is a person. The fetus is a person. And for years, we have widely defined a person as being someone someone who was born. Someone who was born. Somebody said, well, didn't God say to Jeremiah that before you formed in the womb, I knew you? He knew Jeremiah, but he didn't say he knew Jeremiah as a human being or a person. The same way when you die, your spirit will depart from your body, and return to God, but you don't return to God as a person. You return to God as a spirit. We got it all mixed up. And all the time we're edging God out just to win an argument. And I'm telling you, we need to submit to what God said. We don't go beyond this and we don't try to fall beneath this or behind this. We don't add to the word. We don't take away from the word. We hold on to what God said. So the eagle has to die. The eagle has to die. Paul also said to the Romans, in Romans chapter 6, Paul says, likewise you also. Likewise you also. Now, anytime the Bible says likewise, likewise you also, you is the you he's referring to. So, Romans chapter 6, verse 11, Paul said to the Romans, likewise you also. Reckon yourselves to be dead. To be dead unto God, but alive in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's look at that another way. If Paul says we ought to reckon ourselves to be dead indeed to sin, that's what he said. Reckon yourselves indeed to be dead to sin, but alive unto God. In Christ Jesus, then we also need to reckon ourselves to be dead to the ego. Huh? A dead man doesn't have an ego. Let me say it again. Dead men don't sin. Dead men don't have egos. And Paul says, if we are, likewise you also, that's every one of us, likewise you also, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to the ego, but alive. In God, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Listen, beloved, before you can get into the promised land, you have to cross the Jordan. When God delivered Israel out of Egypt, they wandered around the wilderness for 40 years, but they couldn't enter the promised land until they crossed the Jordan. Now, I know a little bit about the Jordan. I had the opportunity to honor of baptizing a few people in the Jordan River. Jordan River doesn't look that clean. It's not that wide. It's not that deep. In fact, the water probably came up to my waist when I stood in the, 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 the riverbed. And what's so significant about being, being baptized in the Jordan? Well, that's what John did his baptizing. Remember? Matthew chapter 3 and 4, we find that's what John did his baptizing. But it's, 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 it's even a deeper significance of baptism because when we baptize, it represents a death, a burial, and that's why we immerse the candidate under the water. It represents a death, a burial, and a resurrection when you pull him up out of the water into a newness of life. So every one of us has been baptized where we have identified with our Jordan. And our Jordan River experience says that the old man is dead. And if the old man is dead, the old ego is dead. So why are you tripping? Why are you beating yourselves up? It isn't lost on me. I'm going to keep it real. That there may be many women, listen to me right now, even through this live stream, that have had abortions. But why are you beating yourselves up on something that happened in your past? Why are you beating yourselves up and letting guilt torment you because somebody told you it was wrong? Somebody told you it was murder. So you know what a lot of women are doing right now? Have you read? A lot of women are electing to be sterilized now because of the Supreme Court. Men, I read, are, are starting to get vasectomies. So why would you feel guilty about something in your past? Either you believe that God forgives sin or you don't. If you believe God forgives sin, then get the ego out of the way. You're tripping. Beating up on yourselves like that because of what you say and what you think. It's bad enough for somebody else beat up on you, but why would you beat up on yourself? Let me tell you something. God forgives sin. S-I-N. God forgives sin. Doesn't matter what sin it is. God forgives sin. And if you ask God to forgive you, then why are you feeling guilty about it? Adam and Eve, they didn't feel any guilt after God came in the cool of the garden, called out for his creation, and say, where are you? Their guilt and the shame prompted them to try to hide themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Adam says, Lord, I hid myself because I was naked. God says, who told you you were naked? I never told you that. God pretty much was in Adam, you're tripping. You're tripping. I never told you that. So God offered a blood sacrifice in the garden, and he clothed them with the skins of the sacrificed animal. that blood washed away their guilt. That blood washed away their shame. And the same way that blood washed away their guilt and their shame, the blood of Jesus Christ washes away our guilt and shame. And if you're still struggling with guilt and shame, you're tripping. So before you can go into promised land to walk in the blessings of God, that land of milk and honey, you must cross the Jordan See, the Jordan represents the place where the ego dies, where that false identity dies. That's why the Jordan River was so significant in the Scripture. When Israel crossed the Jordan, they were supposed to forget about everything dealing with Egypt. As far as God's concerned, Egypt didn't exist anywhere. It wasn't supposed to exist in their minds anymore because it died in the Jordan River. Truth be told, beloved, as far as God's concerned, your sins don't exist. Your sins don't exist. Somebody asked me last week on the way out to church, they said, but pastor, where's that scripture where God promised not to remember our sin? Oh, Isaiah 43, verse 25, but you can also find it in, in Hebrews 8, Hebrews 10. But Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25, God says, I, even I, am he who blotteth out your transgressions for my own sake, your sin I will remember no more. So as far as God's concerned, your sin doesn't exist. And if your sin doesn't exist, then your ego doesn't exist. Therefore, you shouldn't try it so hard to keep the ego alive in your awareness. And you know, people do that sometimes without thinking. You ever been in a heated debate, a heated argument, and you refuse just to let it go? You got to have the last word. Some of you are married to spouses that are tripping like that. They gotta have the last word. My wife reminded me this morning how long we've we been married? Well, it's 43 years? 47 years. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. This brother could care less about the last word because I ain't tripping. I ain't tripping. Oh, yeah, but there's a thing called growth. Hello, somebody. I ain't always been this way. Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship, where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net, 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.